You know, there's a lot to do here. So you're thinking, hmm, what to do first? How about watch this show and see how to make the most of all the Walt Disney World fun? W, w Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 595. I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience now that we can go back to the Disney parks, yay, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, blog, books, audio tours, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting or you've been to the parks hundreds of times, if you're planning your next Walt Disney World vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the Disney parks to the screens and everything in between. If you're a new listener, thank you, welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts and find everything else at www.radio.com. So in part two of The One with Walt, we continue to discuss some of the things we would show and do with Walt Disney, including who from the Disney company we'd like to introduce him to, maybe even have dinner with, and questions about movies, TV, songs, and more. I'll also poll the panel in a lightning round conversation about what we think Walt might think of Epcot, the Marvel and Star Wars acquisitions, use of IP in the parks, leadership, and the company as a whole, before posing the final question of what we would ask Walt. And of course, I'll ask you to weigh in on all these and share your thoughts as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more updates about next live shows, including our live video coming from Epcot this Wednesday, your voicemails and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. We're going to pick up where we left off last week and talk more about some of the things we would take Walt to see, do, eat, and experience, not just in the Disney parks, but in movies, TV, music, and more. So let's pick up where we left off last week in The One with Walt. In particular, other than just the cruise. But like at the end of, of most attractions, they end in gift shops. And so I want to know, what is the one piece of merchandise that Walt needs to see? Becky threw her head in her hands for some <laughs> strange reason. Because this was hard. This was really, really mm-hmm. hard. Um, but I, 
my my runner up. That, 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 the I know, one. I'm going to do it. I'm sorry. You're not. Gonna, is, I'm going to mute you again. There it's, is what a, is your one thing? So you don't come on. You're going to poor Colin gets gets there's shafted free, every time. It gets stolen. There in Disneyland, there's a frame check with his signature that sells for like twelve thousand dollars, which I'd like to know what I he don't think Walt that. needs that. I think he could probably like you're hanging there was in the my park. Okay. So I would I would march him up to and this is more generic than one she thing. She would march no, him stop. up. She would, would march just, him up. Yes. You got to see this dude walk him up to a pin cart. Yeah. Because yeah. I I I got obsessed with pin collecting at mm-hmm. the very beginning and I ended up with like 500 pins that, you know, are in boxes right now. Um it became a way to connect to the things in the park and into the pieces of Disney IP and to the legacy and to everything mm-hmm. else going on to the attractions for like, you know, anywhere from $3 to $7, you could take that little piece of magic home. And you could also connect with your friends and trade the things and find out on a random website that there's only a cast member one that was misprinted. But of course we don't know that that's true, but you had to have it. And so you're on eBay and you're searching for this pin. I, I think that, Pin collecting is something that I would love to see his reaction to that um, for just a little bit of money, you can have this thing that you obsess over and you can take it home and put it in a box, put it in a drawer or put it on display for everybody to see. So I think that would be it. So I, I did not. And I'm jumping in because this is what I had on my list. And it, and it wasn't hard for me because as, as I thought about some of the different things we could bring home as souvenirs, whether it be technological or simple or otherwise, you know, I think pins ticks every single box, right? Look, from a business perspective, a massive financial success for the company, right? But from a price perspective, from a collecting perspective, it's easily accessible. I don't think pins are $3 anymore, Becky, but (laughs) whatever. Um, They're collectible, but more importantly, the... The pin collecting, and I have to use the word again, it's the experience it, that the trading creates interaction between guests and cast members, which is incredible right. for both sides, right? It's the mm-hmm. cast members have reasons to interact with guests in such a, a positive, happy way. Look, their job is simply to make people happy. What how what their role is is different, but at the core, that is what everybody's every cast member's job is. They can do it as simple as simply as trading a pin with a kid or a kid at heart. I've seen it happen a million times. So yeah, um, because you you would have a, a conversation with a cast member and learn about them, and you would never have any other reason to just walk up and say, "Hey, let's talk about where you're from." And and it gave you that uh, that ability to connect to different people. And I, your point is great about the cast members and and doing pin training with them as well. I. I think that it is a pretty masterful um, idea. Whoever came up with, hey, let's pin trade and look what it became. It was the Olympics. Yeah. It was the Olympics. I came up with the idea. So, Lisa. So, Becky, you took my number one answer. I also had pin trading. Um, it's like, it, it's such a delightfully accessible um, form of merch. Want some pins? I got some to sell. Just FYI. <laughs> Um, no, they're great. Um, and and my my family over dinner um, jokingly suggested the thirty seven thousand dollars Swarovski <laughs> Cinderella Castle. Um, but no, but because you were kind enough to take the sensible answer of pins, Walt and I are going to Polly. We're strolling through the lobby, 
and we're bypassing Pineapple and I, and we're heading over to Trader Sam's, and we're getting two shots of rum so we can take home a Nautilus. There you go. Uh, Poor Walt is going to be so drunk at the end of hanging out with the two of you. Drink and a gorgeous view of the fireworks, and I can work in March because you get to keep the mug. Good answer. I like that one. <laughs> Becky likes anyone that brings her into a bar. So exactly, I was going to go to the little nub nub, you know, with the, the souvenir glass, but hers well, is I like any march that gets me a drink with Walt. So <laughs> I'm going with a Nautilus overlooking the fireworks at Trader Sam's. Poor Walt feels like an expansive answer. Yeah, I'm still a little shocked she made it past pineapple and I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Shot rum on that too. Missed the rum. Yeah. <laughs> this is just Lisa. This Jason, what's yours? So I think this was the one of the hardest questions. Um, so so this this may be a go with me here thing. Uh, I'm. It's the Joe Rody crafted Mickey ears. <laughs> because I, I it represents yeah, it's but all Jason, this has to be something that you could actually buy for Walt that you could actually find you know without oh, spending I hundreds of dollars right now on eBay no problem um, no but I think that, like to see I mean the vast array of designer Mickey ears that are out there some really clever things stories that are told through through you know this article of clothing um, it's uh, but I think for me, it was the, the Joe Rody crafted Mickey ears. It, it allowed me to also explain the why behind it. Like who is Joe Rody and, and, and what is this movie up and what's that all about? And it kind of was this, cause I think he'd get a kick out of all of that. And I think he, I think he'd love the story behind it. And I, and I want to pair myself. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, what about for you? Oh, uh, I will go a little bit nostalgic. Well, uh, for sure, Colin is not aware of what we're going to talk about, but I would love to show him Paul Mickey. I would love to show a talking Mickey with a technology behind that can uh, help you to navigate through the park and give you information and give you hints. I would love, uh, I still have mine. <laughs> so I would love to, I would love to show him Paul Mickey. I think. Have you met Paul Lou? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Paul Mickey is my is my merchandise, and it, for me it was so hard because merchandise is something that I I, I never paid too much attention to. But this is Paul Mickey. And Colin. So this one I went kind of a different way, but not not entirely. And my mind immediately went to the fact that that Walt was so much about the experience that the parks portrayed rather than the dollar revenue at times and it was more about the the performance and the stage and what they brought to a theatrical experience because he was a film guy by nature so i went to the thought process of what tells the story best as far as what you can buy that reminds you of the story that you had in the parts and to me right now a glaring example of that is the creatures in galaxy's edge and black spire outpost where you can take home a piece of the experience that you can't get anywhere else. And it's something very unique, very different that helps you tell a story. If you want to bring it to a family and be like, look what I got at Galaxy's Edge. Look what I got in Batu. And for me, that was kind of where my mind went with it because it was so much about the story. And it's a simple answer and a very modern answer, but something that always stood out to me. You know, I'm going to I'm sticking with pins as my answer, although I, I think you could make an argument and, and going back to Galaxy's Edge with you, Colin, but in a slightly different direction. I think things like 
the well oh wait okay so now I'm gonna I'm gonna break my own rule I don't care so I was gonna say the build a droid <laughs> because it allows you it's like building your own little auto animatronic figure you can inject personality into it you can control it and you can customize it you know it really becomes an extension of you I think the build a lightsaber experience yeah. is yeah. without yeah. a doubt one Very of the true. best things yeah. you can Very do my number two God yes I, listen. I'm You're a crier, right. man. I don't care. I took my son. I was just, I Me was too. just overcome with emotion um, it, for for a lot of different reasons. So, um, oh. and I don't even think you need to be. I mean, obviously, it helps to be a Star Wars fan, but just doing those things where you can give your child, your spouse, your friend, your parents, whatever it is, the opportunity to create something that is special and uniquely theirs, and and take it home. Um, it becomes more than just a souvenir, right? It becomes more the, than just something that you. Or the other joy you got when you got to build a Sith saver in the. That wasn't joy. I did that for you. I I gave it a heebie-jeebies because I'm not a Sithy kind of guy at heart. All right, listen, we've got. I I have many. I thought long and hard about these questions. I want you to relatively quickly. Um, assuming you, you have the ability to to do this. Who was the one person you'd want him to meet in the company? Or, or you know, who's the one person you'd like to sit down with you, Walt, and this other person from the Disney company? You're sitting down with your, you know, uh, I'm going to treat all of us to uh, cozy cones. Who's the one person you want to sit down with and have dinner with, you know, from the company? <sighs> <laughs> that's again that's hard that it's a really hard one because I, there's like anybody from the next generation imagineers is <laughs> anyone on that list the but what <gasps> if right. you say more than one i'm gonna mute you stop it all right then I, I will go to one but i've got if other people don't answer the other ones later i'm going to the other ones i'm gonna go with the new chairman disney parks experiences and products which is josh tomorrow um and the reason being, I've, I have been lucky enough to work with him on and off over the past 10 years when he was in charge of Adventures by Disney and doing other things. But he embodies the, the type of leader that I think Walt's cute, that I think Walt would really appreciate because his leadership style is much the same. And in addition... Josh is the kind of guy who goes out into the parks, plain clothes, jeans, and a t-shirt, and he walks up to random cast members and asks them about his about their day and what they love about their job and what he can do to help them out. Um, I would love to just have listen to that conversation between Walt and Josh about how how generations have separated them, but how they view leadership in a theme park environment. I, I think that that probably is the number one choice. Mine isn't um, a specific named person, but it's really just the the kind of the lowest person on the totem pole at the Disney parks is who I would want Walt to meet. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, just a, a person in housekeeping or a person at your front desk or somebody who's running an attraction or, um, you know, a custodial service person who's um, painting with water on the, the sidewalk, you know, the face of Mickey. Um, and, 
that to me is the magic and that to me is like the most powerful thing. And I think so much about like when, when Lee Cockrell spoke to us at Momentum Lou and he said, you know, when those curtains open at the beginning of the day, the show's on um, and you leave what you've got going on at home behind and the show starts. Um, and the degree to which everyone who is on that stage can bring the magic and bring the show to all of us um, you know, in a nameless way, um, you know, and not, not being in an executive seat, but being sort of out there um, with the guests at the parks. Um, that, that's who I would absolutely, without question, want Malk to meet. Jason? Oh, that was really close. I was, well, I'm going to spin my answer just a little bit. Uh, Lisa's answer was was really close to my first, so I'm going to go with my second, which, which ironically is not Josh. It's it's Rebecca Campbell, because I think I think not not in the short term, but I think longer term, I think Rebecca Campbell is the future of the Disney company. And I think it would be good for her to have an hour or two or more with with Walt. So just very quickly, Jason, for those who might not know who Rebecca Campbell is, she's chairman of the the direct to consumer division um, and and international. So but she's she's a. She's very much um, kind of followed a similar path to Bob Iger, um, and I think, and she's she's she has a vast like a variety of experiences working within the Disney company, uh, beginning with ABC. And I think to like I think she has in terms of you look at the current leadership, um, probably the widest breadth of experience, which to me means that she's probably. <clears throat> She's probably the future. But also, I think in terms of being a woman um, and being in that that uh, position of leadership within the Disney company at a time where it's important to have women in positions of leadership at Fortune 500 companies, I think it would be good for him to have a conversation with her, even just to hear her perspective on things. Carlos? I will go, I will go with someone from the movie side. So... Uh... And I thank you guys that no one picked that one because I would love to to have Walt meeting uh, Kevin Feige. Kevin is my hero, and uh, just a short, a little story. The last uh, last D twenty three, I was I was walking through, uh, in, towards uh, the the WDW radio booth uh, with a Brazilian uh, jersey to present to my dear friend Lou, and then and then when I got there, there was. Lou talking with Kevin Feige. I almost faint. I was already crying there because it, 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 I, that guy is a hero. And I would love to see um, you know, the conversation or to hear the conversation between Walt and a guy like Kevin Feige. I was almost, I was almost throwing another one there, but I will leave to, 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 to my friends. But uh, Kevin Feige is the guy. I followed a, a similar perspective to Carlos and went to the film side of things. And I actually went all the way to Pixar with Pete Docter, um, mostly because of Inside Out. Because to have him, Walt, and then somehow me in the mix right there, sitting, talking over dinner or something like that, just to pick the minds of people who seem to utterly know everybody else's, like it's just amazing to me that they always – especially with inside out, it's like you're portraying what all of us can think, but never can quite get into words. And both of them were so good at transporting you to a place or transporting you to an emotion or transporting you to something that is so hard to depict. And I think 
being able to draw from each of those and the empathy that they provide would just be an incredible experience. And to hear their thoughts of how they reenact that, well, not necessarily reenact, but reiterate that in the way they do what they do and how they do it so well. So, you know, I thought a lot about this one. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to invoke podcaster privilege, and I don't particularly care because I'm going to answer this question the way that I need to answer it. Um, look, I have a, a, a an incredible amount of respect for Bob Iger, and I mean this with the utmost respect to both named gentlemen. I think there is a lot of Walt Disney in Bob Iger. Um, I think there's a lot of Bob Iger that carries on Walt's legacy. Um, at, at the very least, from a business perspective, Walt surrounded himself by the people that were the very best at what they do. I think Bob has done that on a much grander scale, um, surrounding himself and the company by other companies that are the best at what they do in terms of storytelling companies like Lucasfilm, um, like Marvel. You know, I thought from a creative perspective um, and someone who likes to push boundaries like Walt, um, I think Joe Rohde needs to be there as well. So I decided I'm having dinner and I'm inviting Bob Iger, Joe Rohde, um, Kevin as long Feige. As we can come, you can put whoever you want on this. Yeah, show. pretty much. Listen, we Kevin Feige, um, who, you know, again, one of the great blessings of this show has been able to get to know and, and become friends with Kevin and understand, like you said, Carlos, I think there's a lot of of the of Walt's thinking in, in Kevin too. I think he's a he's a brilliant storyteller whose um whose why is motivated in in pure passion for the brand um both marvel and and star wars um and to that end john favreau has to be there too yes um, i think john favreau right now is is um i, I don't want to sort of single him out but you know in terms of of storytelling and vision and mm-hmm. again pushing the envelope so i want to have dinner with, <laughs> listen I mean, if you're gonna dream dream big kids i want to have dinner with bob Iger, walt disney joe Rody, kevin feige and john favreau and we're okay. not even going to go to the cozy cone motel Wait, like we're going to class it up a little bit and since i'm probably making the reservation for you i'm going to add a couple of chairs and i'm going to add kevin rafferty and sharita carter to it from imagineering because oh, yeah. um i would love to hear walt and kevin rafferty talk about Imagineering and that process and what it meant back then and what it means now. Mm-hmm. So we started to, uh, and a few of you mentioned, and all of us mentioned, um, people whose dealings with the parks are, are or go beyond that, right? Onto the, the big and the small screens. And let's say, look, that's where Walt got his start. So I think it's only appropriate that we think about that as well. What would be the one movie that you'd want him to see more importantly, what would be the one movie that you'd like to sit down and watch with Walt? I'm going to mix things up a little bit, and I'm going to go in reverse order. So, Colin, Carlos, Lisa, and Becky. So, I'm glad I had a good answer for this, and I had it prepared. So, uh, I'm going with Saving Mr. Banks. And I do it not to say, hey, look at you on the big screen, but rather to say, how does this portray what you saw, what you experienced, how it was, Mm -hmm. and your interaction with these people, especially the Sherman brothers. And I know Richard Sherman touts that it's a very keen likeness to it, and that's incredible to hear. But just to hear Walt explain it and share the backstory and all the little details of that, 
and to see how he thinks of Tom Hanks portraying him. I'm always a huge Tom Hanks fan. Everything he does is just amazing to me, but that's where I have to go. And it's part of its sentimental reasons because I absolutely love that movie because of the nostalgia factor, but I got to go save Mr. Banks. Well, my movie, my, uh, it is not so obvious, I think, uh, but I love him to watch with me Lilo and Stitch. And for many, many reasons, uh, the animation I think is amazing. It is both classic and flash and the whole Ohana uh, theme. And it's such a strong family statement in that movie. And uh, that is one of the fr best phrases in our Disney universe, I think. This is my family. I found it. It's on my, all on my own. It's little and broken, but it's still good. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's great. That's a good one. Yeah. Jason? I, I, this, was, this was near impossible to, to <laughs> nail down, to just narrow down to one. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be um, selfish and pick my favorite, but I won't do that. I think it would be Meet the Robinsons. Hmm. I think I'd watch Meet the Robinsons with them because I think it gets to the heart of everything that he was about and everything that he'd want to stand for in terms of um, inspiring the next generation to think outside the box and to not give up. And he was, you know, he was somebody who just didn't, he got knocked down and he got right back up and he didn't give up in his dream. And I think uh, the message about uh, uh, not listening to the naysayers, not listening to the people who would, who would hold you back or knock you down. I think, um, I don't know. I think it, for me, in terms of animated movies, I think that's got Walt's fingerprints all over it. Lisa. So I was really torn on this one too, between wanting to watch, you know, one of the older movies that he had, that he had a hand in and maybe getting some inside information um, on the making during the, the viewing and, and showing him something newer. Um, and so I think I kind of settled, settled on a happy ground, happy middle ground. Um, I went to something that I talk about a lot. It doesn't get a lot of love. It's one of my favorite Disney movies, um, but live action Cinderella. Um, I would love to see his reaction to it. I think it's one of the most beautiful things that's come out of the canon in a long, long time. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the live action movies and I'd love to have a conversation with him about them, but I do think that this one is, was extraordinarily done. Um, you know, some of the the character development that came out of it and seeing Prince Charming actually have some personality and needless to say what Helena Bottom Carter did with the fairy godmother um, was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to watch it with him and sort of maybe use that as a bridge to kind of talk about the old school stuff and how all that was done and what his thoughts are on um, the remakes that are happening now. But also I just, I just think that the message um, and visuals in, in that movie were extraordinary. I've never seen it. It's wonderful. It, like I, and I'm not a huge fan of, I, I don't think there's any other live action that I've really been a huge fan of, um, but it's, it's so, so beautifully done. I mean, Cape Blanchett is brilliant. <laughs> Becky? Well, since Colin stole um, part of mine, and then I, I could easily kind of flip it and say Mary Poppins to hear the backstory, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go, I'm going to take a different tactic, something that he didn't have any hand in, uh, because obviously Colin's already told us all the backstories that we're going to hear now. 
point goes around comes around <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i'm i'm gonna go because if he's gonna end up having to go into galaxy's edge i'm gonna go with star wars and the reason i'm gonna say that is i remember sitting in the theater and the first opening scene with that star destroy coming over your head and being just in awe of what i was seeing experiencing from just the opening scene um the difference in that technology and how a story was being presented i i think he would appreciate that difference between 1966 and 1977 it really from from the time he passed on there wasn't a lot of years between those two but the technology and how things were presented were completely changing and i i think that he would appreciate how different it was being presented on screen as opposed to when he was involved in the movies that he was uh that he was working on such as like the animation with mary poppins and so forth so i think that's what i'll go with you know i am both grateful as well as shocked and appalled that Uh-oh. none of you mentioned the obvious choice how none of you even mentioned in passing 2011's mars needs moms is just beyond me <laughs> <laughs> sorry we're, okay. we're a disappointment we get it clearly um you know what I, I didn't have any honorable mentions i didn't have any other ones on my list this is the first one that came to mind and um and i'm and i feel comfortable that it's strong enough not that i didn't even feel the need to think to any others uh, and i think wally is one yep. of the best made animated films of our generation like and i think walt answer, please i think walt <laughs> would love it not just from a technological perspective and nostalgia and the messaging of environment and and technology yep. and and religion but i think that the ability to tell a story um with no words and if you look at, at the first, you know, two acts of that film, there's really no dialogue other than, you know, it, um, the sounds that Wally and Eve. I give Andrew Stanton um, incredible amounts of respect and credit for this. I think it is a beautiful love story between two characters that, you know, that there's there, there's a humanity to these robots Um that 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 is remarkable. Um, I, again, I could do an entire show about why I think Wally is so good, but um, yeah, I guess for me, it 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 was it's far and away because it came in and it came in strong for me. I love that. Yeah, um, love amazing. It. Yeah, yeah. So what um what would be the TV show that you'd want to watch with Walt? And I think you can have some funs with fun with this one. I didn't. I did not um, qualify it. Really? So again, we'll do the same reverse order just for fun. So Colin, Carl, Carlos, Jason, Lisa, and Becky, I'm giving you time to think and Google. Thank you. <laughs> so I didn't have a great answer for this, to be quite honest, but I went with something, this may or may not count, but I went with Disney Plus and prop culture just because I, I think it would be interesting to see, especially the Mary Poppins episode. And I know I'm going back to that again, but uh, something about, the legacy that those films have had, especially Mary Poppins in this case. 
and the effect they've had on people's lives. Um, not only the people that are were a part of them and seeing that, but also how all of that was preserved to an extent and how they found it different places and how it's meant so much to so many people and has created memories for so many over the years. And it's a simple answer, much like a lot of mine tonight. Um, but that's, that's what I went to. And I don't even know if it counts as a TV show. It's more of a series, but there we go. I dig it. I dig that answer. Carlos? For me, it's so hard because I'm not a TV show guy, but uh, uh, now being second is easy. I will go with The Mandalorian and in the, the whole storytelling progression of that series. I think it is it is amazing. Now, uh, in, in some way, I can I can include Jon Favreau in the whole in the whole thing. And it's, I love that. And, and I'm not someone that usually, you know, sticks to a TV show or to a series, but in that one, in that case, it's, it's amazing. Well, clearly three's company would be the appropriate answer, but <laughs> no, uh, I, I think this was really hard. Uh, I just want to have fun. I think I'd, I think we'd watch if we could only watch one episode of something. We'd watch the very first episode of Phineas and Ferb. Wow, yep. the roller coaster episode. Yep. We started it all. Yep, it's just I mean, it's so it's such good fun. It's clean. Yep. It's it's it just draws you in. You love these characters by the end of the the uh, that that particular episode. Um, yeah, and it was a hit. I mean, it remains a, a huge hit within the Disney. The, you know, oh, now I want to change my on. answer to Gravity Falls, but <gasps> that's another good one. Gosh, it's yeah. an amazing one. Yeah, yeah. Look, but look how yeah. I snuck that in, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. No, I'm just waiting for Lou to drop Lost into the shuffle. Um, but <laughs> I actually, I actually did have Lost. For, for like a heartbeat. Would you I had stop lost saying under. lost already? For <laughs> the guy. Where he was going. We gotta go back, Kate. <laughs> Only if you watch watches Buffy and the Vampire Slayer too. No, so as much as I would love to binge out on Stranger Things with Walt. Um no, I I mean my my like obvious easy answer is um the imaginary story. I don't know if that qualifies as a TV show. We cut the cord a while ago, so I don't like have a if you watch it on a device in your living room or your phone, it counts as TV. Okay. So, yeah, I, I would love to watch the Imaginary Story series with Walt and just get the, in, like, sort of the, some of the back back insight and let him see, you know, what's what's happened. But he's going to sit and, there going, fast forward. I saw this one already. I, I was there. Just move on. Just <laughs> keep going. Get to anything oh, past 66. Like, poor Bob Gurr cries. He would cry. Together. <laughs> Becky. I'm not sure I like this last position anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, Colin took to my <laughs> Colin took took my second. Carlos took my third. Lisa took my first. I'm just gonna say, you know what? I want to test his wicked sense of humor and watch Rick and Morty. <laughs> because I just, uh, animation at its finest in, in today's um in today's world. But uh you guys covered all the ones I had on my list, so there you have it. You know, I think I think as a whole, I think Walt would love <clears throat> excuse me, the idea of, you know, we take for granted that there's sort of always been a Disney channel, right? And now that there's Disney Plus, I think Walt would love the fact that there was a dedicated channel, not just bearing his name, but that was, you know, again, the idea was Wonderful World of Disney gathering around the TV set as a family on Sunday. 
Now there was content and programming for the entire family that ran 24-7, and now the entire library literally being at our fingertips. All that being said, it's Lost. Not any oh, question gee. far and away. I think Lost is the best TV that we have seen like ever um i think you'd have to say you'd have to say well how much time do you have (laughs) listen (laughs) i did not say that walt was only going to be here for like a day like walt we've got you know a number of seasons we have 121 episodes we basically have 121 hours to get through so sit back relax i'm gonna make snacks like we're gonna have a good time again we'll be here for seven months Uh, buckle up we're watching game of thrones (laughs) jj abrams and and go can i just can i can i steal that that one now i i am still lost on lost i i've never Uh, been able to understand me too i got to like episode two and i was bored out of my oh my god you need to stop talking right now because our (laughs) friendship is really riding on the line lost i look i think i think J.J. Uh, Abrams and Damon Lindelof are are fantastic showrunners and, and storytellers. I think J.J. Abrams is brilliant, um, both on the small screen and the large screen. And if you've okay, never seen his TED Bachelor. Talk, like, if you've never seen watch. his TED Talk, it's um, uh, about literally it is, sort of it what is a, it, it is a great show and it, it's worth and I watched it. I re I rewatched it during our um, stay at home period and I saw lots of new stuff. And I don't and watch I, a lot of TV and I've watched it five times. So that, that may be excessive, but, but <laughs> so say you, but it's really good. <laughs> if you watch it after years of not watching it, you pick up on nuances yeah. that you never caught in the first live viewing when, which I love, you know, kids, the days before binge watching stranger things, when it comes out at three o'clock in the morning and you watch for six hours till nine, you had to wait. And there was something about that anticipation of the cliffhanger for the following week that I think made that show even better when it came out. um, And then you know what Walt would say? He'd say, how do we not all these little islands that we have, how do we not have a lost experience island? There were rumors ages ago of Discovery Island being rethemed to, first it was going to be rethemed to Mist, which if any of you are old enough to remember the old video game, uh, and then it was going to be something for Lost. So uh, I understand reasons why, whether that was not true or it could not happen. However, um, we talked about things that we see. We talked about things that we taste. We talked about some things that we even smell. But what about the things that we hear? Uh, I want to know, what is the one song? What is the one song you want to Walt to listen to? You want to sit down, and it can be from the parks, the movies, etc. Jason is literally standing up Don't and dancing answer. and gyrating. So... <laughs> I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go out of. I'm going to let you go first. Becky, I'm going to let you go second because you're going to be mad at me if you don't. And then we'll figure out who goes after that. Yes, because I'm so taking your answers. <laughs> by, by like this. Blow, I had I had this long list and I was willing it down. And, and just as I got to what I thought was my number one, this popped into my head and I listened to it and it was wonderful. It's Golden Dream. Oh, hmm. From mm-hmm. adventure, it's golden dream. How's that song? How does that song go again? I thought for sure <laughs> I, she would take it. You get extra but, credit if you sing. By the way, all of you. Um, no, I'm not doing that. Nope, no, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. <laughs> no, please don't do that. Please, please don't. Maybe, maybe after going. Look, to, I think uh, that song makes Dan, a lot of sense. Again, you know, Walt loved. He, he loved this country. Um, so I think I think he would appreciate that um, in a lot of ways. 
And nobody cringed, so you didn't take that from anybody. I don't know. No, I was I was shocked. I thought for sure at least I was so I was so I was convinced you took the only one that's on my list, but fortunately you didn't. So I'm hoping that Becky does not. I hope you don't be mad at me because I think we're thinking the exact same thing. There's only one song I want to watch him listen to, and it's Feed the Birds. That is, is not the, the one that's on my list. Ooh, good. No, because I was afraid I was going to get yelled at and banned and, and <laughs> muted and, and out. Um, because we know the stories from Richard Sherman telling us about how Walt would beckon him into uh, into the room and say, play it. You You know what song I want. Play it. And it was Feed the Birds. For some reason, that song was so special to him and resonated with him. And uh, and touched his heart. Um, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to to watch that encounter every time on what was Friday. I think that he asked him to come in and and play that song. Um, I would love to experience that and see the range of emotion go through his eyes and expressions on his face as he listened to the song that he wanted to hear every week. You know, with every person that I allow to go before me, I'm always afraid you're going to take mine. But um... Go ahead, Lisa. Uh, I'm sure it's not yours. Um, good answer so far, though. Wow. Um, no, so, I mean, I'm, I'm going with something that's, like, semi-obvious, but for, like, deeply personal reasons. Um, I would love to sit with him um, and hear the entirety of the Happily Ever After soundtrack. Um, I think that, it, you know, it's something, obviously, that he's never heard before, um, but at the same time, it's so much of his legacy and especially as somebody who has relocated to this place, um, you know, largely due to his legacy and what he inspires in all of us, um, the lyrics of that song and then a lot of the songs that are embedded, like, you know, Moana's Here I Go, um, How Far I'll Go, and some others, um, just talk so much about, you know, following your dreams and following what moves you, um, you know, and, and finding your happily ever after. Um, you know, ideally watching it with, fireworks and laser projections in front of the castle. Um, but, but even if not, just the lyrics of that song, I think just speak so much to what he inspired in all of us. Um, and I know like as a new local, hearing that, having heard that, oh, the parks are, are not open, fireworks aren't happening, but having heard that, you know, post move, um, you know, and how much those lyrics speak to me personally um, and how thankful I am to him and his legacy. Um, you know, I, I would love to listen to that with him good one colin so it's not necessarily a single song and people on this call are probably going to roll their eyes at me at this moment because i know i'm they know the story i'm probably about to tell but i want to sit in the boulder ridge lobby with walt disney next to me and listen in the quiet to the soundtrack of the boulder ridge lobby at wilderness lodge Hmm. it's such an array of songs and if you know me you know that's like a personal place for me it's one of those places you can go and you can escape and you don't have to worry about anything in life and you can just sit there and think and it's quiet and the smells perfect everything about that spot just feels like home to me and it's something i think you would really appreciate because you've got that carolwood pacific room right across the way you've got the fireplaces you've got everything that's grand and at the same time very quaint and and different in a way that's very welcoming and i think he'd be really proud of the way that disney has portrayed all that and it's it's his part of his story but it's also not his story in a way that's in your face 
it's a learning experience about trains and the past and so many things that, as I like to say, the typical guest to a theme park is going to overlook, but those who seek it out are going to find a huge amount of value there. Good. You know that in my case, I was uh, actually I was thinking like Becky, but uh, I, I thought about Peter Burst as, as some inspiration because all the recounts that he was a big fan of the song. And then I start to assume that he was a fan of love catching melodies. So the one that I choose was Married Life. Married Life is the theme from uh, Up and to show to show him not only the song but that initial sequence movie sequence would be for me it would be perfect i love that song i love the melody that brings it, uh, that song and i always sneak another one just because it's not so obvious it's not so obvious just to sh just to shake things a little bit up i would th throw a uh, hawaiian holocaustster uh, <laughs> just for that <laughs> So I love the fact that not only did you say Married Life, but Becky looked like, what song is that from? And the <laughs> fact that it's Michael Giacchino, who yep. is, don't even get me started on, on how much I love Michael Giacchino, who may or may not have written songs for, you know, some of the things that we have spoken of uh, tonight. However, I am so glad that none of you mentioned the right answer. Because I think, and look, I think that somebody can easily argue that, Walt, you need to sit down and hear this little song called Let It Go. It's crazy how much money this made, but. Two daughters, song, FYI. What, what? Two daughters, Let It Go. That was actually on my list, FYI. But I think the song that you have to play for Walt is really Walt's anthem. It's written by the Sherman brothers. It embodies everything that Walt is. It's the title of Marty Sklar's book, so you know he and I are thinking the same thing. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation. Um, I think, you know, Walt would love the fact that the Shermans, like, kept on going and they kept that spirit alive. And I think there's a lot of Walt... In those lyrics, um, it is not just the Epcot anthem. I think it is a uh, it is a Walt Disney anthem. Um, That's good. That's a good one. But the nice thing about these is there is no wrong. I mean, except for a couple of Beckys and 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 Jasons, there's really no wrong answers <laughs> to most of of these. Um, but I, what I do want to do is, and I did not ask you these ahead of times because I want to mix things up and have a little bit of fun. I want to do a little bit of a of a lightning round and you know yes to 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 quote Walt's nephew and everybody else says look it's not fair to say what do you think Walt would think about well I want to know anyway what do you think Walt would feel about certain things knowing Walt as we do from what we have read and heard and stories that we've heard told by people that that know him and, and worked with him so uh, we'll, we'll start with the original order of ladies first again um, I volunteer to go last Sorry. <laughs> okay, so we'll go reverse order again. Um, I want to know, very relatively quickly, this is more discussion than anything. So you know what? No particular order. We'll just, if you have something to contribute, just blurt it out. I want to know, what do you think Walt would feel about, many of you brought this up on different occasions, 
what do you think Walt would feel about Epcot? We know by far the most exciting, the most important part of what we are doing here in Florida is our Epcot project. What do you think Walt would feel about what it was, what it is, and what it's going to become? He will love it, I think. Why? He will love it. Because it is it is a it is a park that you most of all you contemplate things. It's not a, a park to for rides or for anything. It's just to contemplate and to even contemplate the people that are walking around you. So I, I think he will love. Anybody else? I think he would approach it with curiosity um, and be very eager to see what's coming with the changes. Um, I think he would wonder who dropped the ball. Um, well, I think, yeah, I, that's what I thought too. I think he had this. Yeah, I, I don't think he would take kindly initially. I mean, I would love to show him around, um, but I, I, I think. But remember, I think- Walt did not leave. You know, Walt on his deathbed did not leave. And I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying I agree, just, but Walt did not leave his specific vision for what Epcot was going to be, you know, many sort of telltale of how Walt was literally laying in his bed, sort of mapping out Epcot in his mind on the ceiling tiles, but that was not Mm -hmm. necessarily put down on paper. So they were left with these two seemingly diametrically opposed ideas for what Epcot future world world showcase was going to be. And they did, you know, sort of the best with what they had and zero, I don't say zero leadership, but it was hard for somebody to say, I'm going to step in Walt's shoes. This is what I think Walt wanted, as opposed to none of us know. Let's just sort of figure something out because this project is is already off the ground. Well, that's what I was thinking. That I think his initial thought would be disappointment, but then I think that it would, it, the disappointment would turn inward. I think he would recognize that uh, too much of that project, is, as well as other projects, um, too much was wrapped was all dependent upon him. And his force of his just force of personality and his ability to bring these disparate groups together and then to convince people to sponsor things and to like and can convince governments to to just kind of let things happen. Um, I think I think once the story once he was told the story, I think he would appreciate the aspects that are there today. And I think he would be very curious to see what's coming next. And I bet he'd have some things to say. <laughs> about how they should finish the project that they just started. Right. I don't want to be the guy to explain to him, like, Walt, this is why we couldn't build the city. This is, you know, this. I I somewhat agree that there might be a tad of disappointment at the first, you know, this is like the question that I wish I knew the answer to, but um, to not have been able to realize bringing this dream into somebody's real world uh, that it wasn't just the fantasy piece of of the lands, but to to really impact people's everyday lives. I think that may have sparked a little disappointment, but what it ended up being, of course, has its own joy and its mm-hmm. own experiences too. So um, I kind of agree with Jason that I think at first it might be that hit of it's not something that we're able to uh, impact everyone's daily life from creating the city, but this is what it's become and it has brought its own special bit of magic. Yeah. And along those same lines, I mean, I think if you called it anything but Epcot, he'd love it. Like if you called it, if it was a standalone park, it was something by itself. It'd be like, this is amazing. I absolutely adore what they've done here. But when you take that Epcot concept and you slim it down and you pull things out of it, you pull the community aspect of it out to an extent, obviously there's still community there, but it's a totally different way. I think he'd be, 
disappointed in the loss of the city aspect of things, but vastly impressed by what they created. Mm-hmm. Again, I think, you know, the discussion of what Epcot was in terms of original vision versus what ha- it has morphed into, um, you know, and would Walt be able to come up with some of the solutions that nobody else was able to figure out, right? Is, yeah. Was he the guy that had sort of that plan in his mind and say, this is how we get around some of those things? Uh, or would he be understanding and accepting of the reality of certain things like, hey, yes, a city sounds fine in theory, but how do you deal with things like, you know, voting rights and, and a lot of the other just, yep. you know, Aspects that come to the logistics of of creating a city and opening that city up to visitors. Mineral King is a similar story. I mean, his his dream Mm -hmm. of the ski resort, and I and I I still believe that it failed for the same reason: is that his he wasn't there to make it happen. Hey, consolation prize! We have a monorail in Seattle that works. (laughs) (laughs) So I said earlier. That Walt surrounded himself by the people that were the very best at what they do. And I think on a more macro level, that is what the company has done by surrounding themselves with – they filled in relatively gaping holes in terms of what their offerings were, not by trying to reinvent or borrow from others, but to bring them into the Disney fold. And with the acquisition of Marvel and Star Wars and Lucasfilm – how do you think Walt would feel about bringing in these quote unquote sort of outside companies and folding them into, into the Disney brand? I will start you off because you're all looking at me funny. I think it absolutely is in alignment with what Walt was yeah. doing, whether it was tasking someone who maybe wasn't comfortable being brought outside and saying, Hey, I know that you can do this. I think Walt realized that sometimes, um, finding the people I keep saying that who, who are the best at what they do. And as the company realized, Hey, we are not serving a large, vast p- portion of our guests, which is, you know, 14 to 24 year old mm-hmm. boys. And I, and I hate to sort of generalize, but, but that was what the gap that needed to be filled. That's what star Wars does When you bring in Marvel and you've got 5,000 characters to, um, to, to, to take from and and bring those stories to life, um, I, I think it it makes perfect sense. I for one think it very like, and I think they I think the company also got both of those properties as at a bargain too. Um, you know, like they made their when they bought Lucasfilm for four billion dollars, you know, like four billion, they made it back hand over fist um, yeah. time and time again. I I would just I so I think the, I think you're right. I think you would be fine and maybe actually kind of thrilled about the acquisitions but the one acquisition i'd like to tell him about i'd say walt we got oswald back oh yes no oh, yes <laughs> You're right. definitely that that but, would be something that i think he the redemption and we traded him company. for al michaels like it was a steal i know <laughs> but but to have to to build this baby and to lose it and to know that the company went through all of the hoops that they did to get it back. I think you're right. That, that would be really high on the list to make sure he knows. And I think that the larger, larger acquisitions as a whole, like to the extent that they went toward his initial aim, you know, with Disneyland of creating a safe space for Disney, for families as a whole to enjoy themselves in a 
an appropriate, safe, you know, space that everyone would, you know, delight in. You know, there was that gap there, you know, in the, you know, the teenagers and the older kids in the family. Um, and, you know, while I think that, you know, he might have preferred to fill that with, you know, original IP from Disney, um, I do think that he, re- if Roy was the businessman in the business, I think he he certainly respected the business side of the business. And, um, you know, if that had to be an acquisition or it made more sense for that to be an acquisition, um, I think he would have respected that. And I think he would have been happy to see, um, you know, the extent to which, you know, I think he would have been very happy with the acquisitions, but I think he would have, you know, also taken a lot of comfort in knowing that we they were doing original things with the acquisitions, like things like Galaxy's Edge, um, you know, where, you know, I don't, I don't think he would have been happy to see them just acquire things, you know, at face value and not develop them further. But to the extent that they have, you know, taken those balls and run with them, I think he'd be happy about that. Yeah. And to yeah. add to your point, Lou, really quickly, um, that, that, piece about not having something for for the boys because obviously his creation of Disneyland was to have a place for the families and to entertain his daughters but all of a sudden you bring in Star Wars and then you get dads and sons going in to make a lightsaber together and they're crying and that's the the memory that they and I want to be very 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 clear I do. I am not saying that Star Wars and Marvels are boy properties. Right, just, right, right. I am not. So please, but that no, was she, a gaping hole in in the company's yes. demographic and in, in terms of who they were able able to serve. Listen, there's a lot of female Star Wars and Marvel nerds that are like, I am a bigger fan than my brothers are. So, so this is not or, me. <laughs> yeah, don't you know? I'm not saying that at all. I didn't take it that direction, by the way, FYI. <clears throat> so no one's going to email you about it. It's, it's, it's okay. But that really was, you're right. It was a, it was a hole that was left and all they could think about for the, uh, at the beginning was either you're Prince Charming or you're a pirate. That's pretty much all they really had to serve up to, to the sons. So seeing that acquisition, I think that was brilliant on their part for so many reasons, not only in the creativity and the storytelling and the movies, but then you get into the characters and then you get into the experiences and the merchandise. And from a business perspective, it's brilliant. Merchandise. And Pixar. And, Pixar. No, and, yeah. and, and, there's, and there's another thing. I think if you think about this integrated IPs, if you think about the creators, uh, the origin of that, uh, it would be amazing to see Walt Disney sitting with uh, Jim Hansen, with Stan Lee, and with uh, George Lucas. It, uh, could you imagine that that talk? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, somehow it is they're they're similar. I think that there, there is a strong connection, is uh, the almost uh, the similar DNA there. Yeah, you yeah, know, Walt to... and Stan and Jim are like having dinner in heaven somewhere, like looking down yes. on all this. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and not to have like a gross oversimplification of the concept, but I just imagine a kid in a sandbox, and then all these new toys coming in, like. Here's new stuff we can build with. Here's new things we can design. Here's new things we can create. I think that part of things would be such an eye-opening thing to him, knowing that we are creating our own things. We're also bringing in so many other things that hit home with people and resonate with people and create memories for families. Well, he was the king of bringing other things exactly. in and yeah. and and, and yep. riffing off of that. And and I think he would be thrilled that his, the company that he started became big enough and rich enough to acquire these these uh ip because he understood the importance of control and mm-hmm. he struggled with that for a long time and i think that um i think he would endorse like like oh wait we get to have 
we get to s- decide where the story goes from here. Yeah. I'm all well, for assuming that. all the classics were still maintained, of course. Yeah. And that Disney keeps developing and growing and stuff that they're still doing. So let's take this question a step further. Let's stir the pot a little bit because the next oh. question I'm going to ask you may seem on its face to make sense for Walt, but doesn't necessarily for every Disney fan. Twitter, I'm looking directly at you, square in the eyes, eyeball to eyeball, mano a mano, because how do you think Walt would feel about the IP in the parks? Not everyone is in love with the idea of adding, or dare I say, replacing an attraction, Maelstrom, I'm looking at you, with some IP from the movies, TV, etc., uh, the, the entire point of the parks initially was to allow a three-dimensional, you know, fully immersive experience of the stories that he had created. So I think it's somewhat absurd for people to complain about <laughs> Disney IP making its way into the parks. It's sort of it's the original idea of why Disneyland was created. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... You know, Disney was quite practical about things, um, you know, on, on top of, you know, just sort of wanting to please, you know, the people that were coming in. And so, you know, the children that are coming into his parks, um, you know, recognize Frozen Ever After more than Maelstrom, um, then so be it. Um, you know, it's 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 it, it, it's an ever Jason is waving his bring back the oil rig flag that is hanging behind him. <laughs> I did enjoy that scene. I... No, Lisa's right, because it, it's got to be relevant to the generation, right? If you're yep. going to bring families together and they're going to enjoy the park together, which is the initial reason why the park was, was created, then it has to be relevant to the kids that makes it relevant to the parents. And you have to keep moving forward to, to create that element and have that dynamic go forward. And I actually went both ways on this. I originally, I was very anti IP, especially in Epcot and, admittedly just to try to preserve an experience that Disney originally intended to portray, which I think they've done a good job of doing actually. And and when they've added these in, and I think so many people were skeptical of how they would do it and how they would integrate and how it would be, if it wouldn't be this glaring, Hey, here's a character in your face. And I didn't expect Disney to do that necessarily, but I do end up slightly hesitant that they may start going in the direction of, Hey, this is IP. Let's make an attraction instead of, Let's make an attraction. Let's make something new, different that nobody else has seen before, not based on IP. And the level of creativity that you can have when you do something completely new, I hope that's never lost. And I, it's, not, it's not there yet, but I think in time, it could be a very IP-heavy part. But I, I enjoy the stuff that they've created, but I do understand both sides of the perspective in that you don't want lo- Disney to lose a Pirates of the Caribbean or a Haunted Mansion or stuff that is original and distinctly Disney in a way that's not IP heavy. I think, I think Walt Disney was, um, he was, a, I know first and foremost, a creator, but he was also a businessman. Yeah. And I think he understood and he understood the important, he understood the necessity to, to cut corners. Sometimes he understood the, the necessity to partner with somebody and even, even, you know, accept a sponsorship for something, um, because he needed to get it done. And, uh, and I think he would understand and embrace the need to, to remake things and to retheme things and to retold them. Um, not just because the times change or the interests change and, and, and you want to get, you know, attract guests, but also because the business needs change. 
And I think, um, honestly, in what we're experiencing, what the company's experiencing right now, I think he would look at that and he'd say, do whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm. Don't yep. stray from the core concept, but keep it, keep this thing afloat. And, um, and I trust you. I mean, look yeah. how far they've taken this thing. I, Look, Disneyland I totally, was built on totally corporate agree. sponsorships. You know, yeah, right. yep. every yeah, right. everything was sponsored when Disneyland opened. You got to get people in the park. And the it's, you got to pay for it. You know? yeah, exactly. And it's basically uh, the, the the main thing is, is is the execution. If you go with the right execution, you take care of how you're going to use the IP. I think it's, it is great. So I totally agree with it. You know, if you, if you just quickly, if you go back, um, maybe we'll talk about this one day. I'll do a show about you know, the opening of Disneyland and some of the companies that were corporate sponsors, not only did they seem very sort of out of place and somewhat disjointed, but again, Walt needed money. Um, you know, I don't want to say at any cost, but to a certain degree at any cost. And and you're right, Disneyland, you know, especially sort of Fantasyland being the heart and the core was built on on IP and bringing these stories to life. I'd also like to tell him that we own the Disneyland Hotel. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Oswald and the Disneyland Hotel, mm-hmm. we win. That, right. <laughs> well, you know, I think what we would show him, I think um, what I would want to show him, and I'm sure we've seen different iterations of the image, of, of the image that's out there, this this sort of matrix of what the company owns that sort of falls under the Disney umbrella. Now Um, the font is really, really, really tiny for this really big image because you'd be very surprised just how far the, the, the Disney corporate uh, umbrella extends and maybe sort of the, the final question about what we think Walt would feel. How do you think he would feel about where the company is now? And when, and, and I want to preface this by saying when I say where the corp company is now, I don't necessarily mean from a financial perspective, which I think he'd be pretty happy about, but from guest experience, from technology to innovation to to IP, you know, the company as a whole is no longer just a film studio and a theme park. Um, the Disney company and what sort of falls uh, un- under that, you know, again, that sort of that corporate um- um- umbrella um, reaches very, very far and wide. I think that, you know, so much of what Walt was about in, in the parks and everything else that he did was in creating as immersive an experience as he could and as many sort of angles as he could get at that from, you know, the, the more the better. And, and also, I think, you know, somewhat from a financial perspective, but when people talk about, you know, ticket price increases and, you know, what would be rolling over in this grave. And, you know, my response to all of that is always, you know, goes back to that story of, I remember when Mary Blair, I don't remember, I've heard when Mary Blair was, you know, creating It's a Small World and she was, you know, tasked with designing the costumes and she went to him and she said, what's my budget? And he just said, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> you create what you need to create and people get their money's worth and then they come back and they bring their friends. Um, and I think so much of, what the current situation is speaks to that. I mean, it's not, you know, what's the cost of an AP? It's what's the value that you're delivering for that AP. It's not what's the cost of a ticket or a meal or anything else. It's what are you delivering, you know, for that, that amount of money, um, you know, and, and that's always been my response to all of this, you know, it, it, when, you know, AP prices, you know, went up recently and there was, 
a huge explosion over it. I said, you know, if you can go into the Disney parks as an AP holder on a regular basis and tell me that you're not getting your money's worth, then like, I'll tell you how to restructure your day um, because you're not doing it right. And that to me is, you know, is always the answer. And I think that's how he would feel about all of this is that as long as you're delivering extraordinary value for what you're charging um, for the experience, then, um, you know, I think he'd be at peace with it. And the final, the final question, the final one question I have for you is the one question you would ask Walt. What is the, not the one thing you would say to him. You have one, Becky, one question (laughs) that you can ask Walt. What is that one question? Is it me? It's you. And I got like four. So I'll only read one. One question. Because hopefully other people will, will get the other ones besides, yeah, spewing out all the gratitude I have for this man and what he created. Um, Walt said that Disneyland would never be completed, right? He said it will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. So Walt, if you could choose one attraction to forever remain untouched uh, that would forever represent your creativity and imagination, what would it be? Carousel of progress. That's me. That's that's the ghost of Walt answering that for you. (laughs) But seriously, I mean, because there's so much controversy about when things go away and when things are changed and when Norway becomes frozen and and all of these things. Um, Looking at all of the attractions that were there. I I mean, when I was in Disneyland in 1970, there's, there's a lot of things that I experienced with my dad that are no longer there. And you know, how much of that was stuff that he really loved and enjoyed. I mean, um, of everything that he sees now, what attraction would he ask to remain untouched that would represent him? The home on the range attraction. <laughs> Wait, there's no home on the range attraction. No what? Attraction. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to, I would like to follow, I like to follow just uh, uh, Becky, just because my question would be so, so simple and objective following Becky's what's next after you've seen everything like this, uh, please, what you come up different. That's, that's my question for him. That would be interesting. Like you mean by looking at everything that's currently there and then forward thinking. Well, we can move clear. That's Carlos's question, right? Like he's not going to get another, that's it. (laughs) No. Yes. That's it. (laughs) Okay. That's it. Don't worry. Uh, Whoever wants to go next, go ahead. I would just kind of ask him, you know, like how we're doing, you know, like what, what do you like about what we've done? What don't you like about what we've done? You know, whenever these debates come up, people are, you know, always touting Walt from one perspective or another, whether it's, you know, changing the things that he touched versus, you know, his dedication to progress and things never being finished. Um, You know, and you look back at all the, the changes that have come over the years that have infuriated people or moved people forward, whether it's changing Maelstrom to Maelstrom, to, you know, frozen ever after or Mr. Toad going away for poo or the redhead and pirates or now splash mountain becoming, um, you know, princess and the frog inspired attraction. Um, you know, and so many other things like, you know, what along the way, what along the way did you agree with? What along the way, didn't you like the way it was done? Um, you know, I just, uh, to kind of silence the masses on, you know, arguing both ends of, of things, you know, supposedly from his perspective, every time a change is proposed. I think I would, 
I would, I mean, this is along a similar line, but I would just put them on the spot, Lumangelo style. And I would say, what are you most pleased with? Like of everything you've seen, just give me the thing. Guess what, what is the one thing that you're most pleased with? Because I think that that would then serve as a talisman for the future. Like that would be, not that we need a what would Walt do kind of answer, but I think it would help to say, look, there's this thing that we did without Walt that he really loved. And we can iterate off of that. We can use that as kind of the next uh, launching point. Um, Would you hold him to just one thing? Well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I mean, because I think, well, it, you know, no, probably I'd say yeah. the thing that Lisa said, like, <laughs> tell me everything. But, but I think, uh, I think, I think, no, I think it's important to also um, maintain a little bit of mystery there. And I think there's, it, it's important for him to not give us a recipe book to be able to say, look, you, you know, there's a lot here that I like and there's a lot here that I don't like. And I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'll tell you this one thing that I really love. Do more stuff like that. And so it's no surprise that I'm the youngest guy in the room by a, a margin. And I hope this doesn't come off as a selfish question as a result of it. But the question I'd have to ask is, what's the one piece of advice you'd give a 20-year-old you? And I'm 23, so take that for what it's worth. But I think what we can take away from Walt and something that so many overlook is that Walt was not an overnight success. He, it appears that way today. It appears that way on paper. But when you go back, you realize he almost lost everything multiple times. He was a person that really struggled and overcame adversity time and time again. And I think much of what he'd tell people is that be creative, chase a dream that you have, never stop being who you are. And on top of that, to find a way to do what you love, to find a way to do what means the world to you at the end of the day. And the rest of it will work out. The rest of it will make sense. And I think that's important to our society because so many people get lost in the, I want to make a million dollars overnight. And the other factor of it is it it doesn't work that way sometimes. (sighs) Okay. So when my dad died, um, I lost really the, the person that I could go to for guidance. Um, yes, there's been other people and my mom, but it's different. You know, your, your father, your father figure. So I, I think I would go to Walt for not his opinion, but advice, but I would, I mean, I, I look at Walt, you know, yes, in sort of a fatherly figure kind of way. I think Walt is, is, you know, the ultimate entrepreneur and, I'm going to also assume that I was sitting there for all of your conversations with him. So you guys asked a lot of the questions I would have wanted to have known, but I would, I would love, I'd love guidance. You know, I'd love to hear from Walt in terms of guidance. I think, I think he was brilliant in, in so many ways, not just as a businessman, but look, I say all the time that my favorite quote from Walt is that a man should never neglect his family for business. And, you know, he was he's the hardest working man out there and he always made time for his family and he knew it was important. And in addition to that, knowing how to build a business literally from nothing, you know, the $40 in the suitcase. So I would, you know, yes, I want to know his opinions on things and 
you know, how he feels about certain stuff. We'll, we'll probably talk about that over dinner with Feige and Favreau and, and Iger. But yeah, if I could get a piece of advice, uh, a piece of guidance from Walt, that's what I would take. So we went over a lot of questions. Is there anything else that you thought about that we missed that you'd like to know that you'd like to hear or show Walt? I'd show him that video that show him that, that little clip of video that, um, that, uh, that revealed that when, while the parks were closed, while the parks were closed for the past few months, that they continued to put the flag up every day. Oh yes. When no one was there. I mean, other than a few security guards, I mean, that, um, yes, I think, I think that would speak volumes to, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, not only would it resonate in terms of his patriotism and his love of country and that sort of thing, but I think it would speak volumes to the level of respect um, that the current cast members have for him as yeah, well along, as for their country. Um, along those same lines, Jason, thank you so much. I think I would want to show him that the lamp is always lit in the apartment. Oh, yes. I, I, yeah. I think that that would be extraordinary to show him that the level of, of respect and love that the cast members and the company have for him, mm-hmm. that his, his memory is always there. He's always present um, to everybody. So even though the name, his name is the company, he was never forgotten and his legacy lives on. You know, it's funny you use that word because that's what I was going to say. As, as I get older, the word legacy, you start thinking about your legacy more and more. And yes, Walt certainly knew you know, as he was passing, the legacy he was leaving in terms of his parks, in terms of the stories and the characters and the films and the TV show. But what he probably never could have imagined is something else I would show him, which is the legacy and the impact that he had on all of us. Every one of us has a business and a dream because of him. So you know what I would show him? I would show him Mouse Fan Travel and Becky Mankin. I would show him guide the number four WW for Colin Kendall. I'd show him the castle run with Lisa DiNardo Glasser. I'd show him Ponto Orlando and Ponto. He'd get two Ponto Orlando and Ponto Miami.com. And I would show him here with the magic.com. And of course I know we would all thank him for the incredible joy, the blessings, the lessons, the, the happiness, the, 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 again, look at us, you know, look at the impact that he's had on our lives. A single man, you know, that came from nothing can show what what a, a true impact that you can have beyond the entertainment value from anything he put out. And I certainly want to know from you, our friend, the listener that has been sitting here with us, you know, what are some of the things that you'd want to show Walt? What, is the, what are the questions that you want to ask him? Uh, what are the things that you would like to sit down and uh, discuss with Walt. I will put this these questions up in the show notes and both at uh, com and in our Facebook group at www.radio.com slash community. Uh, Becky, Lisa, Jason, Carlos, and Colin, I appreciate you guys so much for indulging in uh, this idea of the one with Walt Disney. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. It's been super insightful. And surprisingly, I didn't mention food as often as I ex- expected to. <laughs> but you did get to cones. You got to cozy cone. That's all you need. Cozy cone and popcorn will carry you for days. It's like four foods in one. So, <laughs> And there were and there were the cheese breads too. So, <laughs> You got it covered. <laughs> Chimichangas were in there. 
and uh, hot dogs or corn dogs. Yep. What Your hotel? Covers. Wait, what hotel would you want Walt to stay at? Port Orleans. Port Orleans. Wait, Port so Orleans. Port Orleans, Riverside, or French oh, Quarter? No. Olani. We haven't talked about. I I take him to Olani. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're going to Olani. Disneyland Hotel. Jason is leaving the continent. <laughs> Wilderness Lodge over yeah. the holidays. Boulder Ridge at Wilderness Lodge over the holidays. You just want to take him to Geyser Point for a bison burger. That's a good plan. That's, that's not the worst idea I've heard all day. I think we should good do idea. that in his honor. I think yeah. we should too. I, I think you need to stay in the Walt suite on board the Disney Dream. And then go to Paulo for brunch and then Paulo for dinner and then Remy. For- I'm in the me suite. <laughs> Would you have really chosen these colors? Well, just curious. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, hear, remember, maybe even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I took you to the Disney MGM Studios and asked you to tell me who was the narrator of the Sorcery in the Sky Nighttime Firework Spectacular. First, thank you so very much to you and the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that the answer was Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disney MGM Studios is proud to present Sorcery in the Sky. Lights. Camera. Action. Vincent Price was an American actor, most notably remembered for his performances in horror films such as The House of Wax, The Pit and the Pendulum, The House of Usher, countless others. And Sorcery in the Sky ran from 1990 through 1998, although after Vincent Price's death in 1993, the Vincent Price narration was removed and Michael Marzella, an actor who was also one of the citizens of Hollywood, replaced him as the narrator. Now, just a little bit of extra trivia. According to the show director, Ron Logan, the original host of the Sorcery in the Sky show was supposed to be Jim Henson. But because Jim Henson passed away earlier, Vincent Price was chosen to take his place. And if you remember, for a very short period of time, back in 1991, the Rocketeer actually flew over the Chinese theater. I mentioned that because I love that film. I think it's overlooked. It's on Disney+. Plus. Go check it out. But this was only here for a short period of time. Again, what I was looking for was Vincent Price. I want to thank you again for entering and playing. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one. Again, last week we were playing for my 102 Ways to Save Money for an At Walt Disney World book. All seven of my virtual audio tours of Magic Kingdom, all of which, by the way, still on sale for just $10 at www.radio.com slash shop. A WW Radio vinyl sticker, a Magic Band cover, and a mystery prize, which I'm going to pull from my personal collection, which I've been putting up on eBay every week. Ten new items, vintage Disney memorabilia, 
from the parks going back to 1971. There's also some Star Wars and there's posters and there's documents and artwork, lots of different things. Every auction starts at just $1, no reserve. They begin and end Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at www.radio.com slash ebays. I'm going to pull one of those items out, include it in your mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is William D. No last name, so it's just William D. But, William, I have your shipping address. Because you use the online form, I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this coming Wednesday, Epcot Center reopens after the unprecedented closure. I will be there. I will be live throughout the day, starting early in the morning. So be sure and follow along and watch and chat at www.radiolive.com. But I was thinking about the history of Epcot, and you might not realize it, but Epcot hasn't been always known as Epcot. You've heard me refer to it many times as Epcot Center, but the park has actually been known officially by four different names throughout its history. Your trivia question this week is to tell me what were the four different official names that Epcot has had in its history. You have until Sunday, July 19th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, Use the form there, and again, this week you're playing for the audio tours, the book, the vinyl sticker, the Magic Band cover, and a mystery prize from my eBay collection. Also, don't forget that if you like playing and just having fun with Disney trivia, I do daily Disney trivia on my Instagram stories. It's easy, fun, takes just a few seconds to play. It's multiple choice, a great way to test your knowledge, and hopefully learn something along the way. Again, I'm Instagram.com slash Lumangelo. So good luck. And have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Also, big thanks to you and everyone who took the time to watch and share and spend the day with me this past week, both at Magic Kingdom for its opening day on Saturday and again at Disney's Animal Kingdom on Sunday, live on Facebook. It was incredible to be back in the park once again and to wander, explore, ride, listen, see, eat. And the fact that we were able to do it together made it even better. If you want to catch up on the live broadcasts from this past week, you can go to www.radiolive.com. Also, I am going to be live this Wednesday, July 15th, for the grand reopening day of Epcot Center and the first day of a Taste of the Food and Wine Festival. I plan on being there and going live for Park Open at 11 a.m., but be sure and turn on notifications both on the WW Radio page and in the WW Radio group at facebook.com slash wwradio and wwradio.com slash community. This way you don't miss a thing. And also be sure to tune in this and every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for our regular WW Radio live show as we talk about what's new and what's news at Walt Disney World. I share my top five live and ask you to share yours as well. Again, that's this and every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. Huge thanks, by the way, to everybody who is part of our WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate your love, support, friendship, and help. And I also love being able to give back to you and say thank you each and every month. I want to thank some new and longtime members of the Nation family, including Mike Allen, David Potts, Zach Hoover, Barbie Schurz, Amy Peterson, 
and Kelly DeBartolobin. If you want to find out how you not only can help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, including monthly scavenger hunts, trivia quests, we have a private Facebook group, magic band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, care packages from Walt Disney World, as well as exclusive live video, group calls, and lots more. You can visit www.radio.com support. Of course, it's completely optional, but it's a great way for you to help the show and show your support for WW Radio. And please also don't forget that a portion of your contributions do go to our Dream Team project to directly benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Remember, this show is not just for, but by and with and about you. So I'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. Call the voicemail. Be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WW1. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. And please come and join our very fun, family-friendly, and welcoming group over at www.radio.com slash community. Now, I have been asked if I am going to resume monthly meetups in Walt Disney World now that the parks are reopening. I'm not quite ready to do that yet because of social distancing guidelines. I plan on doing our next virtual meet of the month coming very soon, but please stay tuned to the events page at www.radio.com for more information and updates. Also, we still have room available on our Marvel Day at Sea Cruise coming up this January out of Miami for five nights. I am so incredibly excited. Gosh, we are going to need that more than ever. For more information or to get a free no-obligation quote, you can go to www.radio.com slash Marvel Cruise. Speaking of cruising and Disney Cruise Line and any Disney destination as the parks are reopening and we're starting to think about traveling once again, if you are coming to any Disney destination or any travel destination on the planet, please go and visit Becky Mankin and the entire team over at mousefantravel.com. You've heard me mention them before. It's not only who I recommend, it's who I trust it's who I use, and that's why I'm so comfortable now more than ever to help you plan for your next vacation and to help you with any questions you might have. They not only find you the best possible prices and all available discounts, but it all comes at no cost to you. Please go and visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend. I mean that. Whether we have met yet or not, and all I ask is that if you like the show, to please help spread the word. Let others know about it. It's how our community can continue to grow the right way. So tweet out that you're listening. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on Facebook. Or if you can, take just a few seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple podcast. It's incredibly helpful. I want to quickly thank some recent reviewers like Kristen Lay 17 who says, I've been listening since 2012. It's still one of my favorite podcasts out there. Highly recommended for all Disney theme park and fans in general. You'll love Lou and his enthusiasm and knowledge for all things Disney. Basketball Jonesing says, great pod. Love the positivity. Very knowledgeable too. Force user Chris says, it's truly magical. I first heard Lou on a Star Tours documentary from the Force cast. I love Ryan. Those guys are awesome. Since then, I've been listening every week and going back to the archives to see what I missed. Lou's heartfelt, energizing, and really captures what makes Disney so special for all of us. And Wayne0770 says, I enjoy listening to Lou between my Disney visits, the last time in 2017, the next one in 2021. He keeps me entertained and informed about my next visit. Keep up the good work. You should write an autobiography. Really? Would anybody read it? Anyway, uh, Wayne, Force user Chris, 
Basketball Jonesing and Kristen Lay 17. Thank you so, so very much. Again, just search for WW Radio in Apple Podcasts or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll give you a link and instructions on where and how to leave a review. Finally, most importantly, thank you so much for taking the time this week to listen, to watch, to be part of and help grow the community and conversation. I hope that this show at the very least, just makes your day happier. It inspires you to be better. It brings you a little bit of positivity in what I know is still a very confusing, scary, yes, sometimes, you know, even angry world out there. And look, I I know that um, I am an eternal, unapologetic optimist and someone who is always just trying to make lemonade from lemons, and I've, I've hoped, and I still continue to hold out hope that there can be some good that's going to come from all of this. Not only to us personally and individually, that we could maybe spend more time with family, work on that project, read a book, reach out to people that maybe you lost contact with, but together as a species, at humanity, we have an opportunity, we have a responsibility to not just be respectful and civil towards one another. We don't have to agree on everything, but treat each other online and in person um, with understanding and kindness and positivity. Um, Be an example for others. Choose the good. I promise you that positivity is contagious. You will feel better. You'll make other people feel better and the tide will rise for everyone. I hope that you are staying safe you are staying happy. If there's some way that I can help you, please reach out to me or go to lumangelo.com. You can find out some of the ways that I can try and help you. I am your friend, whether we've met yet or not, and I want to help you any way that I can from a distance, whether it's with the show or something else. And I really do hope that this is your best week ever. I hope to see you live this Wednesday from Epcot. So until next time, see ya. Cousin in Miami, Kelly here. I loved your recent show, the one with Walt. I just wanted to tell you that I realized early on in the show that just about all of my answers would somehow involve the future, space, and technology. So just to let you know what my things are, I would take him to Epcot to see what became, so he could see what became of the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Um, and the ride I would take him on would be Spaceship Earth. I made a note of that because I think the animatronics are amazing, and specifically it shows the landing on the moon in 1969, which he was unable to see, sadly. Uh, You know, he was so interested in space exploration and landing on the moon, and he had so many shows about that on Disney. That's what I grew up with, with, and my love of space and the future and technology, I think, comes from Walt Disney, actually. Um, The restaurant I would take him to is the new Not Complete Yet Space 220, I think it would bring tears to his eyes to actually see himself in space, um, if that's actually what it is like. I'm just imagining that that's how incredible it's going to be. I mean, I, I really think that Walt's passion was the future and not the past. I know a lot of what everybody's been talking about is, you know, Walt loved this to eat. He loved this ride, that ride. I really think that his passion was the future, and I would want him to see that. 
But the show I would bring him to would be the American Pavilion um, Voices of, Liber- of Liberty in the American Adventure. I think he'd be really proud to see that we still love our country, and that's really important to him. Um, the technology I would show him is how instantly a picture of a guest appears on their phone from a ride that they were just on. That it just magically reads this magic band. You don't even have to request it. It just appears like you're riding on Pirates of the Caribbean, and all of a sudden you get off the ride, and there's a picture of you on Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just really cool. I would think he would think that was amazing. Um, the snack would be popcorn, similar to what you guys have all said, because popcorn was just his thing. I mean, I think he just would love to just sit there on a bench and have popcorn, but he'd be having popcorn while watching Wishes in the Magic Kingdom. And I can see the tears in his eyes with the starlight, star bright. Oh, my goodness, that still makes me cry whenever I actually hear that song from Wishes. Um The last thing I would do is I would ask him if he remembers meeting me, little Kelly, in 1963 in Disneyland when I was a little little girl with my parents, and then I would ask him for one big hug because I'm a hugger, just like my friend Lou. So that's all. Hey, Lou and Buck family. This is Beth from Brooklyn, New York, uh, where we are feeling the uh, effects of Tropical Storm Fay because 2020. Of course, New York and New Jersey get tropical storms before Florida. <clears throat> anyway, um, I've been loving all of the um, pictures and videos and stuff from the parks and very excited to get back down there in January. So um, anyway, was listening to the podcast um, where you were discussing like what you would take Walt to and stuff um, and loved it was listening on my run and walk. So um, I hope I got all of the stuff. But in terms of park, just like Becky um, and I think Lisa, I went to the land. So I was park would be Animal Kingdom, but the land would be Pandora. Um, it's just incredible. Attraction, flight of passage. You're going to see a common theme here. Just kind of warning you. Um, restaurant, for me, sexually, um, just the theming of it how you stay completely immersed in all of Pandora is just incredible. And it's my favorite place. Um, Technological thing, uh, like Lisa, I would say the Shaman at Navi River Journey. Um, I've videoed it before and I've had friends comment like how, you know, how big is the person doing that? I'm like, it's not a person. It's an animatronic. They're like, are you kidding me? Um, But then also exiting um, I timed so that we exit sort of right at that transition between day and night because all of the lighting changes and all of the ambient sounds change, and it's just incredible. Um, snack, I don't know. I'm not really a big snack person, um, either popcorn or Dole Whip. Um, for the cruise, I would say the magic or the wonder the first night in Animator's Palette um, because – I wouldn't do the last night because not everybody gets to do the last night. Um, You have to be on a seven-night or longer cruise to do the drawing bit yourself. But on the Magic and Wonder, that first night is absolutely amazing. And on the Dream and Fantasy, I think he would like the Talking with Crush thing, too. And, of course, Castaway because it's amazing. And I was just very jealous because of the Wonder I know got to spend two days there. 
this week with the crew that's still on there. So anyway, hope everybody is uh, still continuing to do well. Um, those of you who can get down to the parks, enjoy. And um, I will be there in January. Cannot wait. And have a great week. Bye. Hey, Lou Mangiello. This is Anna Collins calling from Texas. I just finished listening to episode 94. Um, I have been going through all of your Wayback Machine episodes on my um, little Apple app. And um, you were talking about Discovery Island and thoughts of how it could be revitalized. And I was thinking, what if Disney partnered with both the National Park Service and um, they already have a partnership with National Geographic um, through Disney Plus, and maybe those three combined could revitalize Discovery Island, and it could be both a um, review of, like, what the national parks offer, but then also do an international outlook with the National Geographic side, and it could be under the the heading of something like, what was it, um, Walt Disney's, um, like, nature series, his nature adventure series. Anyway, just my thoughts. I hope you're having a great day, and thank you for everything you do.